Would you say the word freedom with me? Freedom. Come on, let's say that again. Freedom. The Bible says, whom the Son sets free is truly free indeed. And so as we've been talking about over the past several weeks, we've been talking about freedom through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to ask you today to take your Bibles. Let's go to the book of Mark, the 15th chapter. And as you're turning there, let me greet campuses this morning. We are glad that you are with us today. I'm just asking you today to get ready to receive what God has for you. As we dig into the Word today, we are believing for the power of the Holy Spirit to transcend time and space and to minister to you right where you are. So we're excited that you're joining with us today, and we're believing for a great move of God right there where you are today. In the book of Mark, the 15th chapter, in a few minutes we'll get to that, But here's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about this freedom that Jesus Christ brings into our life. And and I found that as we've been talking about, we've been talking about the blood and how powerful the blood of Jesus is. And and as we've looked at different aspects of the blood, we've seen that the blood has power. We talked about that the first week. And and, and then we talked about uh, how that the blood was shed in the garden and that that gave us redemption. And and we've, we've just been talking about the different aspects of that. But as I was kind of trying to wrap my mind around this, I, I began to say, Lord, what, what is the reason that you chose blood? I mean, you, you could have just said they're forgiven and we would have been forgiven. Why was it that you used the aspect of blood uh, to bring freedom into our life? And then I begin to look at the Word of God, and the Bible says that the end result of sin is always death, right? How many of you know that sin produces death in your life? You found that to be true? I mean, it really is. That, that sin, always, the end result, it's, it's death to relationship, it's death uh, to freedom in your life, it's death, uh, ultimately, it's death in your body uh, as sin kind of has dominion and rules in your life. But the Word of God says this. It says that the life is in the blood. Sin produces death. But the life is in the blood. And as I began to look at that, I said, wait a minute. The reason that Jesus Christ came to this earth was to give us life. Uh, John 10.10 says, the thief comes but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I am come, Jesus said, that you can have life, and you can have that life more abundantly. And so as, as we look at that today, what we find is, is that sin's producing death in my life, but the blood of Jesus Christ brings life. It brings what I'm looking for. In other words, it's, it's kind of this. God chose the blood to destroy the works of sin. Now, we understand that in the setting of salvation. We all, we all understand uh, that we are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and what he did on Calvary. We all know that, but sometimes we miss that there's more to salvation than just going to heaven one day in the sweet by and by. Amen? I mean, some people are putting off having an abundant life till they get to heaven. And yet Jesus said, I'm come that you could have that life now. So I want you to look in the book of Mark today, the 15th chapter. I'm going to read about five verses of Scripture to you. It says, so Pilate, this is talking about uh, when Jesus is before uh, the Roman Pilate there. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, who was a murderer and a thief and all this. And he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. Then the soldiers led Jesus away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole garrison. And they clothed him with purple. They twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. 
and began to salute him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him, and bowing the knee, they worshipped him. When they had mocked him, they took the purple off him, put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. That passage of Scripture at times I think is not as predominant in our thinking as it should be. As you begin to read this passage of Scripture, what you find is, is that you find a cosmic war at its greatest fervor. You find that at this moment, heaven and hell are colliding with everything that they both have. Hell sees a chance to destroy God's plan upon earth. And so the devil thinks that this is his time, this is what his opportunity that he is going to be able to kill the Messiah. And if he can kill the Messiah, he has won. And you've got to understand from the very fall of Satan, the one thing that Satan has wanted is to thwart the plan of God. He has wanted to destroy God's plan. And so this, this battle begins, and, and it's, it's in the process even from the night as, as where Jesus is betrayed, and from there he's taken from place to place, and, and now he finally winds up in front of Pilate, and, and Pilate begins the whole process there. And as we look at that, a lot of times if we're not careful, we kind of read through it trying to get to uh, the rest of the story. We're trying to rush into Easter. We're trying to get to the celebration. But I want to tell you, before there's a celebration, there has to be a crucifixion. Before there is a triumph, there has to be a battle. Before Jesus Christ can come forth victorious over death, hell, and the grave, he has to experience suffering that you and I can only imagine. But the reason that he did that was because he wanted us to be able to have victory and freedom in every part of our lives. And so often, as we've talked about, we relegate the freedom that Jesus Christ brings to us only in the aspect of salvation for somewhere out there. But when you begin to look at this, we've talked about that Jesus shed his blood in, in the garden to buy back man's uh, right to have dominion in this earth. We talked about how that Jesus Christ uh, was bruised so that you and I could be healed on the inside. But there are, there are other aspects where Jesus shed his blood, and we're going to talk about those today. And I want to show you that in your life, that you, you are not just spirit, but that you are truly a spiritual being that has a soul that's living in a body. And because of that, you are, you are always dealing in three realms of life. You are always dealing with the natural, you are always dealing with the emotional, and you are always dealing with the spiritual. Often I'll have people come to me and they'll be facing something. Maybe it's a physical illness or maybe it's something going on in their life. And they'll say, Pastor, is this a spiritual thing? Is this just a physical thing? Or is this maybe a soulish, emotional thing? And I always go, yes. It's all three. Because if you are having a spiritual battle, I promise you it will affect your soul and your body. If you are having a bodily battle, I promise you it will affect your soul and your spirit. It doesn't matter what's happening. It affects all of us because we are integrated beings and we go through this. So how do we appropriate the blessings of God into our life and live in the freedom that Jesus Christ has come to give us? The Word of God there, as we read, said that they took him and they scourged him. And when you begin to look at that, what you find according to historians and others who have studied uh, this passage, 
that what the Romans did in that day was they had what was known as a cat of nine tails. The cat of nine tails was a whip that had a short handle on it, and on that handle there were woven in leather strips, and on those leather strips they had put in metal, they'd put in pottery, they'd put in other sharp objects uh, woven into the leather that was on this whip. And so when a Roman soldier would begin to beat a prisoner, what would happen is, is that that whip would come slamming down on their back. And as it did, those little bits of pottery and other sharp implements would tear into the flesh. Now, as, as hurtful as that would be, that Roman centurion was not satisfied with that. In fact, Historians tell us that one of the punishments for a Roman centurion for killing a prisoner while beating them was that he would give his own life. So they were taught literally how to beat a man within an inch of his life and not kill him. I mean, it was an art form with them. And so when they would take that and they would place that whip upon his back and it would come and it would tear in, then they would take that handle and they literally would twist it and yank. And what that did was, again, literally pulled out hunks of flesh out of Jesus' back. And, and we, we hear that and it sounds gory and it sounds unappealing, but, but I want to tell you, uh, some of you have seen The Passion of the Christ, the movie, and, and I want to tell you, again, according to those who saw the crucifixion and saw Jesus on that day and have written about it uh, historically, what you saw in The Passion of the Christ on a movie does not even come close to what Jesus really experienced that day. In fact, it is told that literally you could see the bones from his back, that he was beaten so severely that the skin was literally ripped completely from his body. And you say, Pastor, why are you telling that, telling us that? It is because you need to understand how precious your salvation is. You need to understand today that Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price. So not only can you go to heaven, but so you can live on this earth and experience the presence of the Almighty God daily in your life. Why did he experience stripes upon his back? Well, Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes... You're healed. You're healed by the stripes upon Jesus' back. So the first freedom that comes to us today is freedom in our health. I have a right today to ask for help. I have a right today because of the blood that was shed when Jesus' back was beaten. I have a right today to experience health. I mean, watch Jesus as he goes about in his ministry, and, and, and you find that everywhere he goes, he's healing people, he, uh, he's ministering to them, he's opening blinded eyes, he's, he, he's raising people up who are on bed of afflictions, uh, he, he's going everywhere. In fact, one of the gospel writers said that, that if, if the f books of the world could not contain every miracle that Jesus did, and yet there are those who would say, well, you know, it would, it would have been great to have been alive when Jesus was upon this earth. I mean, think about it. Wouldn't it have been wonderful to have walked with Jesus those three and a half years? I mean, I, th I think it would have been, I mean, you talk about a, a wonderful journey, a wonderful time to be able to walk with Jesus and to watch him uh, heal the lepers and watch him raise the dead and all the things that he did. And we say, oh, that would be just wonderful. Well, do you think that Jesus Christ only did those things back then? You know, he took stripes upon his back. 
for people he'd already healed? I mean, his ministry at this point was basically over. He's going to rise from the dead, going to be around a few days. He's going back into the heavenlies. He's already healed all these people. Why would he suffer this now? Could it be? Just thinking, just, just propose this to you. Could it be that the Word of God says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever? And if he healed people while he was here in the flesh, that the stripes that were laid upon his back also bring healing into my body. The Bible says if there's any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. They'll anoint with oil. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord might think about healing them. That's the New Eddie translation. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They're going to be healed. I mean, that's what the Word of God says. And so I believe today that you and I have the right through the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed when he was beaten, that you and I have the right to say, Lord, you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God, my healer. And that you can walk in healing today and walk in wholeness that God has. But then the Word of God says that they took a crown of thorns. How many of you have ever been to one of uh, a, a church's passion plays? And they'll, they'll take the little crown of thorns, and, and we usually get some, you know, somebody to artfully weave that so it won't hurt the poor guy that's playing Jesus. Right? I've always wanted to use the real thing, but they never would let me. Um, but the, these thorns were long Judean thorns. They were uh, from an inch to three inches long. And the Scripture says they placed this, and I don't, I don't think they were nice nor neat nor slow. I think they just took it and went, and when it did, it pierced him. And then the Word of God says that they took reeds and beat it into his head. So, so you see this happening, and all of a sudden the, the blood begins to run down Jesus' face. It's getting into his eyes. It's running down the back of his neck because these thorns have now pierced him. Why did he do that? Why did he suffer that? Well, in the book of Genesis, the Word of God tells us that he told Adam, after Adam had sinned and they'd fallen, the Word of God says, you, you listen to your wife, and because you listen to your wife, the ground is going to be cursed from this day forward. And, and the Word of God says, and by the sweat of your brow, you're going to make a living from this day forward. So Adam has the sweat of his brow, Jesus has blood running down the same place. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus Christ brought freedom from poverty. Now somebody says, all right, he's one of those prosperity preachers. Yeah, I am. I would a lot rather be one of those prosperity preachers than one of those poverty preachers. Amen. Listen, I've been poor, and I'm not poor, and not being poor is better. Amen. I know what it is to be without, and I know what it is to have plenty, and plenty is better. And if you don't think so, well, anyway, we just won't go there. You say, Pastor, what is this about? Well, the, the Word of God says that Jesus Christ, for our sakes, though he was rich, he became poor so that through his poverty we might become rich. I believe with all of my heart that the crown of thorns was to bring us back from the curse of poverty. I want to tell you, poverty is a curse. 
If you don't believe that, go with us on another missionary trip. Go with us into a country that is so destitute, and they can't even get a good meal for a day. And I want you to ask those people, is it wonderful serving Jesus in poverty, or is it better to serve Jesus in prosperity? And I will guarantee you every time without exception, they will tell you it's better to move into prosperity. In fact, it's one of the things that we do when we go into these third world countries is to tell them that Jesus Christ has come to free them from their poverty. He has come to set them free. And so I want to tell you today, whatever you're working with, whatever you're going through, Jesus Christ came so that you and I could have prosperity. Now, do not misunderstand what I'm saying. I am not saying everybody's going to have a million dollars and live in a $5 million house and drive a Rolls Royce or a Bentley. That's greed, not blessing. And we've got that whole thing confused in the body of Christ. Everybody's going to have a jet plane. Most of us don't need a jet plane. Everybody's going to have this. Everybody's going to, you, you, listen. No, here's what prosperity means. Prosperity means having more than enough. The reason I want you blessed, the reason I want you to walk in prosperity is so that you can have more than enough so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. That's what prosperity is about. It's not so we can just get bigger houses, bigger cars, better clothes, eat better food. It's not about that. It is about moving forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ so that we can penetrate the whole world and touch the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what prosperity is for. And so Jesus Christ suffered so that you and I could walk in prosperity. Then the Word of God says that they took him and they placed nails in his hands and in his feet. And a lot of times we say again, why did he have to suffer that? Why did he have to experience that? The book of Genesis chapter 1, you can read it when you get home. The Bible says, uh, God said, let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the earth. You know what? Adam and Eve gave our dominion away. Dominion is symbolized by your feet and by your hands. Every place that your foot treads upon, I'm going to give to you, the Lord said. Your hands are a sign of the authority that you are given in the world, in the kingdom that God has given you. Now, let me explain something to you. The third freedom that we get is that we get freedom in our earth. Now, I want you to listen carefully to what I just said. We get freedom in our earth. The earth, I understand, the Scripture says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I know that. But the Lord gave it to us. He said, it's your planet. Do with it as you will. And Adam and Eve said, oh, we'll give it away. And so at that point, the Bible says Satan became the God of this world. But Jesus came. His hands were pierced, his feet were pierced, blood ran out so that you and I could have dominion in our earth. The earth was not created for the devil. The earth was not created for God. They both have their place. Do I need to bring that home to you? The Bible clearly says hell was prepared for the devil. The Word of God also lets us know that God dwells in the heavenlies. He created earth for humans. 
Why is that so hard? Why are so many people trying to get out of the place God made us to be in? Boy, if I could just go to heaven today. Well, there's a few of us can help you out with that. No, seriously, why, why, why are we trying to get out of here so quick? God has given us dominion in this earth. The, the Word of God in the book of Hebrews talks about uh, that you have made Jesus a little bit lower than the angels. Actually, that word should be translated Elohim, which is not, not the angels, but actually God. You have made him the, the, a little bit lower than God, and you have crowned him with glory and honor, it says, and that you've put all works in his hands. And then it says you have put all things in subjection under his feet, Jesus. All things in subjection under his feet, Jesus. But watch this. The Bible says that we are the body of who? Christ. He's the head. Come on, get this. He's the head. We're the body. So if everything is placed underneath his feet, we're the body, then everything is under. Listen, why do we walk around afraid of the devil all the time? Oh, you better be careful. The devil's going to get you. Yeah, you better watch it. The devil goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You read that word, whom he may? That means he has to have permission. That means he can't just show up at your house and huff and puff and blow it down. That means that the Word of God says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Jesus Christ came so that you and I could have dominance, so that we could have dominion. In fact, here it is. Jesus came to give us our kingdom back. Earth is our kingdom. And you and I have the right to have this kingdom. The next thing that we move on to today is as we, we talk about uh, the, the next aspect of the freedom that Jesus Christ brings to us, what, what we find is, is that the Word of God says that they took a spear after all the things that they had done to him, after he'd hung on the cross, that they took a spear and they rammed it into his side. And the Bible says that when that happened, blood and water came out. And I've read in some places that those who study physiology and the body said that one of the reasons that that could have happened was because that there are times that literally a heart will burst and it will create this water and blood sensation. If that is the reality of what took place that day, then in, in a sense what happened was is that Jesus died of a broken heart. Now think about that for a minute. Every person I know who has lived very long at all has experienced a broken heart. Listen, you don't get through this world unscathed. You experience it as a child when you're disappointed by a parent. You experience it as you move through the world and things don't go the way you think that they ought to. You experience it sometimes in a marriage that falls apart and a divorce happens. You experience it other times when your child that you had so much trust and belief and hope in and you watch as they allow the enemy to destroy their life. And on and on and on. Every person I know that's lived very long at all has experienced a broken heart. But what I know is, is that Jesus, as he was hanging on the cross, 
He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In other words, Jesus came to give us freedom in our lives, that the broken part of our life could be put back together. I mean, can you imagine if we really believe that Jesus was the Son of God, that as Scripture says that He was God incarnate, that the fullness of the God had bodily dwelt in Christ Jesus, that all of God, and again, it's a mystery, we can't understand it, that Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. And I know mathematically that doesn't add up, but that's where faith comes in. And so here He is, the one who spoke the worlds into existence. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it goes on to say, and all things were made by Him. This one, who has created everything, now hangs suspended, no clothing on. He has been beaten. He has been bruised. There's blood caked all over his body. And he is in shame because he is hanging suspended between heaven and earth. And he looks down upon mankind that he has so loved, and the shame has come over him. He's been betrayed by one who was the closest to him that for three and a half years he had walked with. He looks around and everybody except one of his 12 have left. And in that moment he looks at John and he says, John, your mother and mother, your son. And the anguish of that moment I can't imagine. And as horrible as all of those things were, I believe with all my heart that what Jesus had prayed in the garden when he said, Lord, let this cup pass from me. I don't think he was talking about the cup of crucifixion. My belief is, is that the cup that he's talking about is, was the cup of the sins of humanity. That some way God showed him every sin from the time of Adam until the end of the age. And as Jesus looks at that, his humanity cries out and says, Lord, if there's any way, I don't want to go through this. But then he says, but not my will, but your will be done. And now he's hanging there, and all of a sudden, when he cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Is because in that moment, the sin of the world, the one who knew no sin, now has the entirety of every person's sin upon him. And his body can't take it. His heart is shattered. And he slumps the last time. And the Bible says he gives up the ghost, cries out, it is finished. It's over. You say, Pastor, does that really happen? Yeah, I think it does. I think all of us know situations of, of people who have been married 40, 50, sometimes 60 years, and one of them will die, and within two, three months sometimes, the other one of a broken heart just says, don't want to live without them anymore. I'm gone. And I think Jesus is at that moment going, I can't live this way any longer. And he releases his spirit. And he dies. Why did he do that? 
His heart was broken. The Word of God says in the book of Psalms that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. The Scripture says that he was tempted in all manner like as we are yet without sin. And, and, and we, we know that, that he experienced everything that you and I go through. How do I experience the grace of God? How do I experience these blessings? How can I be healed? How can I be set free from a life of poverty? How, how can I experience everything that God has for me in my life? How can I have dominion in this earth and how can I find my brokenhearted life healed? It's only through the blood. It's only through the blood, I'm telling you. You'll never be good enough. You'll never do anything to merit it. It's just through His blood. But you know what? Through faith, you can receive every blessing that he has. How'd you get saved? I got saved through faith. I came to Jesus Christ, and I just said, Lord, I'm a mess, and I need you. And he says, I'll take you. And I said, okay, it's a great deal. He took all my mess, and he fixed it. And I can have that in every area of my life. But I've got to come to that place where I understand what his blood has done for me. That don't just relegate it to the cross and salvation for eternity, but understand that every day in your life that Jesus Christ has come to give you life and it more abundantly.